Filmmakers and photographers Drinking coffee and talking shit Welcome to Filmmakers and Photographers Drinking Coffee and Talking Shit. In this podcast, you'll hear insights and stories from four guys and maybe an occasional guest who have all come to the craft of visual media from very different starting points. I'm your host, Matt Rickman. I am Sean Luddy. Chris Bell. Randy Fitzenmeyer. In this episode, we're going to talk all about photography. We'll drink a little coffee and talk a little shit. So, photography. I was on a photography shoot today. Yeah? I was. Yeah, what were you shooting? That thing in Denver for Sally Kittredge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How Sorry to name drop it. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. That yeah. thing. It was a little... Um, People? It was just a little... Let's see, is this me here? Yeah, that's right no, that's me. Oh, that's you. Sorry, one. that that's me. You're right number there. one. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean it was good. Uh, I got to test out the A7 III in photography modes, and uh, I found autofocus to be very easy. Although, got it into Lightroom and was a little concerned with how grainy it became when I started pulling up shadows. I was only at a four thousand ISO in that dark space, so. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to get in there and see. That's still pretty high ISO, man. Well, they say that these things should be serviceable at like 100,000 ISO on that sensor, but I don't know. What's your version of serviceable? Well, right. I mean, not having so much grain, clearly. But but I would say anything (laughs) under 6,400 on a modern camera should be pretty darn good. Good. Yeah. Hmm. I would say so, too. So, yeah. But, Randy, you don't even have a modern camera. so. Overrated. I'm old school, man. (laughs) (laughs) What are you shooting on these days? I have a Nikon D850, and that's the best camera I've ever used, and I'm perfectly happy. Mm. (laughs) It's old. As long as I get to a great image. I'm not ready to go mirrorless yet. One of these days, maybe. Eh, it has its perks. Yeah. Does the camera matter? Great question. Just I mean, a tool. Just so here's a tool. the yeah, here's the thing, right? You could take a great picture with any camera, um, but you know the reason why I would spend way more money today on a camera than I would have like five or six years ago is because with that experience, you want a tool that will help you get the best because you know what that great image looks like. You have it. You're searching for it, so you get a tool that can help you really pump out that. See, I have, a, I have a different take. I'll spend way more money on lenses than I will Ooh. a camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Glass is like, eight, like 60% of the equation. Yeah. Glass is half the picture, right? Or no way, <laughs> something like that. Chris, what do you take still photos on these days? Uh, I'm even more old school than uh, Randy here. I'm on a Canon uh, uh, Mark II. A 5D? Mm, 5D Mark, Mark II. II. Yeah. Solid yeah. camera. Why do you not upgrade? Uh, we, you know, professionally, we really don't do much photography. I mean, I have bought a uh, 7D uh, Mark Mark II, and I've used that more than that, the uh, 5D because really the 5D does not do well in low light situations. You know, it's it's uh, old enough where if you wouldn't even want to get up to probably. You said four thousand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever shot that at four thousand because <laughs> it would just there's so much grain would be yeah. coming out. I mean, it's its sweet spot is you know fifty or one hundred. So. It's a full frame, right? Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. It's full mm-hmm. frame sensor. Yep. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love the, uh, the, the color chemistry, digital mm-hmm. color chemistry of that uh, camera. But, That's one uh, thing I'm not sold on with Sony yet. Yeah? Yeah. What are you seeing? Um, well, it's weird, man. Like, one one video that I did on it, um, I was comparing it all to the Fuji mm-hmm. um, classic Chrome look, which is really, I mean, it's just a really great picture profile. Straight out of camera. Gorgeous. Yeah. If you expose it right, it's pretty much ready to go. Yeah. Um, the It was a little bit more in like the... Um, what a magenta range in skin tones. Yeah. But then I also kind of sometimes feel like um, certain areas get brought out more than others. So it's like um, there was a shadow on this chick's shirt and it was seemed more saturated than like the other area of her shirt. And hmm. it just like, usually I'm like, okay, there's a shadow there. It's a little darker, but like for the color saturation to be bumped up in like a shadowy area, it didn't make sense. You know, and it was like little things like that sometimes. Um, I'm still experimenting with the color profiles and getting them back and what am I going to edit? You know, how am I going to edit them and stuff? But it hasn't been like, I did one test that was pretty good and it was outside. It was in the middle of the day. It was a hybrid log gamma to the, that picture profile. And it was really easy to grade. It was just like add some saturation and contrast and you know, you could temp it a little way, you know, warm or cold, but it came out really good and I haven't had that consistently yet, it's so I'm still, working on it. I'm it's learning still it. Sony color science. Yeah, who knows, man? Maybe a firmware update. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but when it's I have, camera. But on another note, I'm uh, learning how to grade better. I'll contact you of off <laughs> off of this, but I've, if you can paint the matrix in that, if you can go and change settings, I can get you settings. Mm-hmm. 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 You can. Sorry, I had coffee in my mouth. I'm so good. Yeah, Matrix. That was a good movie. Um, you can you can go in and dial in all the settings: the contrast, saturation, gamma. I know, you know. a guy. Cool. I know well, a guy. Let's talk. Okay, right now. <laughs> uh, Randy, what's your favorite style of photography? Not necessarily that you do, but just that you enjoy looking at. Like when you see pictures that you like, what you know? Is there a style generally, or I'm not? Not so much. I'm pretty diverse. Okay. But, um, but I, I would say environmental portraiture. Okay. Um, but that has some style and grit to it. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Uh, and 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 actually um, composites as well. One person that I like his work a lot would be Eric Almos. Okay. That's how you pronounce his name correctly. Um, does some wonderful portraiture and compositing. Okay. Um. Oh, there's some more, but I'm so bad with names. Circle back around. There's another one that I'm thinking of, but his name's slipping my mind at the moment. But uh, Platon. Really, really good in the in the sports realm. Mm-hmm. Joel Grimes. Joel Grimes. No. Oh. No. Huh. I'll think of it in a minute. Anyhow, Sean, how about you? Um, well, like Randy, I love composite photography i love doing composite photography just like how can you make it look crazy and cinematic and and that kind of stuff um but then you know any image that evokes an emotion out of you or makes you think i think is kind of cool so usually that's that's like like you said like you know portraiture of somebody kind of in their element not posed just anything authentic is my kind of stuff but yeah composites i just love that raw movie poster look you know sometimes i look at movie posters in the movie theater and i'm like Man, that's brilliant. And, and I also like composites where you can't tell that they're composites. Uh-huh. And, you know, the image still has to have soul and speak to you. Yeah. 
Chris, how about you? What's your favorite kind of photography that you like? I'm a sucker. Actually, my mic's not on, I don't think. Test, test, test. There we go. (laughs) I'll talk back here. Um, No, I'm I'm a total sucker for wide-angle landscape photography. I like to bring up something in the foreground that you got your focus on. I like that distortion look. So that's... That's the kind of stuff I love. And when I go out on weekends and stuff, that's the kind of stuff I shoot. So. Nice. Mm-hmm. And yourself, cool. Matt? I like street photography. Mm. Yeah. I like really, really good street photography. And then I also kind of, I like land, I like good landscape, too. That would probably be my, my mm-hmm. second. Who's your but, favorite street photographer? Uh, it's this guy. I don't even remember his name. Um, he's something Suzuki from Japan. And I just actually recently found him. Fuki Suzuki. Fuki Suzuki. That's good. Really good. Yeah, we just pissed off everybody in Japan that listens to this podcast. But, um, well, it's like you're not going back there. <laughs> but, it's um, him. It's him. Yeah, no, From he has he has a kind of a brash, uh, very Japanese style. And, and I think part of the reason why I like him as a photographer is because he's shooting on the streets of Tokyo and in Japan. And I just like that imagery, mm-hmm. you know, so colorful. Yeah. And just the people and the style and, you know, Japan's a Japan's a fantastic place. It's amazing there. Does he go after, does he want the recognition or the, you know, the subject looking at the camera? Or does he go for the more still life? No, he's in your face. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, his shooting style is interesting because he, um, you might not know he was shooting your picture. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll kind of like, whether or not this is okay or not, but, you know, he'll be walking down a busy street and almost kind of go out of his way to get in people's way. And mm-hmm. at the same time, he's firing. So he's getting surprised. A so lot he's of getting that like. <laughs> you know, crazy, crazy looks. Yeah, yeah. It brings wow. out the human nature. It makes you think about yeah how people respond to that kind of stuff. Well, and that's part of what what I find appealing in it is that the it's it's not what we normally see too. You and know, and this is people looking weird. Personal, not um, your favorite type of photography. That's business, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that Do I have a favorite type of business photography. Yeah. Stock Outside or, or to photos. do. I mean, cheap, cheap, cheap to stock shoot. Family photos. Cheap yeah. stock photos. It's my favorite. Easy. All day long. Mm-hmm. Not always. And they're capturing some memories there. So yeah, yeah. Important. People always love them. And, What's yeah. your most disliked type of photography to do? Um, oh, man. You know, I don't know. Uh, I'm a, I mean, I, I've been saying no to weddings, and I have two weddings <laughs> that come up at some point this year for – uh, family members and an old friend from the call center and I told them no and they were like please we we don't we're not going to actually have a real photographer so like we just want you to come and I'm like thanks cool let's do it so there's those I don't like doing no pressure. Any, anything where there's like that kind of pressure to like this only ever happens once and you're never going to get to do it again mm-hmm. that's kind of stuff I don't like I would say my my <laughs> the biggest style of photography that I don't like is composites Mm. Like I used to, it just seemed like it got like played out, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. five to five to 10 years ago. It just seemed like it was just everywhere. And it was all the things, especially in the sports realm, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the guy standing up or the girl, you know, in the stadium and the lights. And it just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the, tr- like you mentioned, environmental portraiture, the like kind of pure, uh, there was a guy that, uh, I met, uh, or I, well, I, I heard a talk of, uh, Chris Orwig and, he just like I don't know. There's something that an environmental portrait photographer can can capture their subject, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more than the technical of 
having the camera set up right or choosing the right camera, any of that bullshit. Well, to me, it's telling a story in one image. Yeah, and it's connecting with the person almost on an emotional level and getting them comfortable and then then, like pulling that out of them almost. You bet, you bet. And that to me, like, you can't, I, I don't even know how you learn that other than maybe doing it a bunch and hearing like, like I mentioned this, Chris Orwig and people like that that do it and like maybe watching people like that work or something. I don't know, but it's not technical. You know, it's a, it's a psychological thing almost. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like being a good masseuse, right? It's like, yeah, it's one thing if you're comfortable touching people, but people have to be comfortable with you touching them. (laughs) Right. If you're to be a good masseuse, because you're trying to put someone at ease and you're going to be all up in their business. Right. And so as a photographer, is this podcast? No, listen, (laughs) I have a point. Don't you agree though? I I think it's a great analogy. Being a good photographer, you got to make people comfortable and that's how you get that. Yeah. yeah, and have that connection with them. And you're yeah. working with families and kids and on their wedding days. And, I mean, just by nature, it's an intimate job yeah. capturing someone's picture. And it used to be very personal, you know, in the olden days where people thought it would take your soul. Yeah, it does. It still does. <laughs> yeah, still it does, does. But <laughs> the other way around, it's when you're behind the camera that your soul gets crushed. <laughs> yeah. Not in front of it. Absolutely. How about, how about you, Chris? What is your... Uh, most disliked type of photography to do. Most, oh, but dislike? you don't do that much. So. No, I, I really don't. Um, it could be video. We could yeah, I mean, it's, I guess no, it's off. It limits. is probably uh, you know trying to make that connection with uh, on a professional level uh, doing portrait type photography. That's uh, that's a challenge for me. I just you know to break through that barrier, make them feel comfortable. I'm I guess I'm not real comfortable doing it. You know, yeah, it's so an art it's, form. Yes, yeah. relationship. Connections like you yeah, I like the Japanese guy. That I, that photography, street photography, I could do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sneak up on people and capture their absolute terror of having a lens pointed in their face. Yeah, Randy, what style of photography do you think you're best at? Like, like what's your sweet spot? Right, well, let's see. I, I, I'll start off with my worst. I would say would be large groups of people. <laughs> I, I do not like doing large, directing large groups into yeah. one image. Um, Kind of started out doing lots of product photography, but never thought of myself as a portrait photographer. But I've, through the years, it's kind of morphed and switched. And I look at, if I look at my book, it's more portraiture than product. So, yeah. So portraits. That's yeah. what you feel I, I, I like change. I don't know. I like change. I, I really like change a lot. So it's, it's that's a tough one for me. And thus, if you look at my website or book. There's no specialty directions, which you got some cool like fashion kind of not, examples not too. Good. Yeah, they're yeah. I mean they're portraits, but the, like the way you've composed them, like they're isn't there one with like or, some really bright colors and yeah, there's a girl standing there. Yeah. yeah, I mean they just they look really. That's kind of like almost like in my opinion like a fashion sort of mm-hmm. like with when you're incorporating the subject into the background at that in that way. You know, right. uh, you've got some really good examples of that in your. Thanks, but yeah, it just—I mean—they say you're supposed to specialize, and but it's—I get bored easy, so I like doing being a jack of all trades. Chris, where's you your in making Well, stuff. you know, I actually want to share a story that Randy just reminded me something. I got hired by uh, this company down in Denver to come down. We'd done a lot of video work for them, but uh, uh, so they wanted to, wanted me to come down and do a company-wide photo where all the employees, you know, come out and everything, and I. You know, I, I had the realization, I thought, you know, I probably should take like, I don't know, 15 photos just, you know, just uh, in case someone's eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. Not one of them <laughs> had everybody's eye open or, I mean, <laughs> they were, it's like, 
you know, I, I hadn't done it before. I didn't have the experience, you know, to realize that you probably need to take about 25 or 30, you know, or something. Uh, or have some way to communicate to people, okay, let's hold still, eyes open, eyes open, still, still. But, of course, everybody would be, you know, stiff as a, a wooden pole, you know. How many people but, were in it? Um, probably, uh, I'm guessing maybe 40 40, 40 or 50 people, something like that. There was a lot of people. So I was up on a ladder far away, you know, with a wide angle, not far away. But, um, yeah, so it was uh, it was tough because I, you know, I guess I could have cut out some faces or done something in post. But I, they, they were pretty much unsalvageable. Composite. So. <laughs> yeah. Was, was this pre-shooting dig- digital and yeah, yeah, I've, mad I, Photoshop skills or yeah, you know, I don't know. What would you do with, with if you got six or eight people with their eyes closed? How do you open them up? Well, well from, from other images yeah, that you took. Yeah, every frame. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I was handheld, too, so that might have been a... <laughs> yeah, but I think you could pull them out. The, the Probably most, could. The most I ever shot was 350 people in one Wow, that's in one a lot. photograph. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, lots of layers and composites, yeah. you know, getting people... And, Eyes open and yeah, and that kind of compositing to me is not fun. No, God no, that's work. There's so many different types of Photoshop skills and jobs, just like there is photography. And Mm. yeah, some of it's definite work, and some of it's fun and artistic. So shooting, shooting people's not your strength. No, what's your strength? Uh, Landscape. You know, going out and. Early morning, late day, uh, graduated filters, some of that old school stuff is, this, you know, I really like because uh, I'm sure, well, it's like s- the, the contrast ranges can be pretty extreme. And I don't even know if you could pull, even with a, a uh, you know, raw footage, you, you just don't have the latitude you have to pull some of the detail out in the clouds and stuff like that or to, you know, to uh, HDR. HDR, yes. And I've done Did a lot you? of HDR as well, but it looks... It has a certain That's an art form yeah. to, to make it look real and not. Yeah. Just a touch of it to okay. get a few extra stops is okay. That extreme yeah. crap, you know. Yeah. That's, yeah. People are into it, but. Yeah. Not me. yeah. Same. <laughs> Sean, Same what's your strength? Uh, I've said it earlier in the episode, and it's shooting people outside <laughs> in the daylight. <laughs> that's basically, I, I, you know, that's my safe spot right there. You know, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm I opposite. I love artificial strobes. Well, see, because you have access, you have access to that. I, I don't, you know. And if I, so, if I had a place to play and set stuff up, and you know, that may be different. But yeah, my, my, my most of my experience and where I do my gigs and you know my mm. hundred and fifty bucks a pop, you know, family photo shoots outside at your favorite local yeah. park. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Under the tree in the shade, and and I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. I mean, I enjoy it and. And the thing I probably enjoy most about it, not even just like the process of being the photographer, but it's that trying to get the kids to laugh and smile and yeah. trying to get, you know, mom and dad in a moment, you sure. know, and, and, and it's, it is, it's bringing that thing out of people. That's part of what I really like about that. Um, but just being outside and having daylight and it's, it makes taking the photos a lot easier. It is still challenging. I mean, you got. Oh, all sure. different, you know, lighting conditions and trees and clouds, you know, clouds and yeah, yeah, changes and, and all this stuff. Um, sometimes you just can't get a good expo. You're like, I don't know where to put you. Like, this is just not a good spot, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've had shoots like that where like things are going pretty good and they're like, Oh, how about right here? And I'm like, I just, I don't know how to, I, this is just not working. You know what I mean? And it's a challenge, but 
That's where I stay safe. Sometimes I like to go back though, and because as for as product photography, because mm-hmm. I like a good challenge of lighting a difficult subject matter, mm-hmm. like let's say for Teledyne, like a chrome uh, shower head yeah. that's has compound angles everywhere. Would you a shoot very that on difficult a black task. background? Mm, not necessarily. No. Good black, white, but it's just basically you're not lighting the product; you're lighting what the product is seeing. Right. Yeah, because it's reflective. Uh That's interesting you put it that way, too. Yeah, a lot of that kind of photography is getting replaced, though, with just three. CGI? Oh, my God. Well, especially in the car car world. Yeah. It's really big. Car world watches, you Mm -hmm. know, really expensive watches, tech, you know. It's like they're not filming the phone doing this. It's funny. Do you remember we did uh, that explainer video for the C dot or whatever it was, Uh H dot power uh supply thing, right? Um, and they had sent us all this footage that they did with a local shooter. He was using a red, right? And so I got all these red files. I'm trying to deal with them, you know. But somewhere in all that footage, they had done a, like, practical effects, like, tech scene where they had smoke and it was filmed in black and they had these lights that they were moving around different colors and they took the object and they were rotating it through the space as the light came on and they had the smoke and i was kind of impressed that like they i knew exactly what they were going for it's that technology reveal where the Mm -hmm. light you know travels across the edge of the bevel and and you know they were doing it with practical effects which made it really cool and filming it in camera um so that was kind of a neat thing. Randy and I did a shoot. Remember that shoot we did for LTI way back? We had their uh, device and we we put the macro lens on and we taped the thing down and kind of rotated it around. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And we put the uh, black. Um, what was the black background stuff? The uh, it was uh, uh, plastic, uh, glossy plastic. Oh, uh, plex. Yeah. Plex. Yeah. Black plex. Yeah. yeah, with the gloss to it. That looked really cool. It looked very. The client wanted to do this in 3d but didn't have the budget so we said hey let's give it a shot let's film it yeah (laughs) well that's nothing more 3d than (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, it turned out well yeah it looks so it looks so real and it was like and basically it (laughs) It did it It was photorealistic it was old old school still product photography from the 80s but you just just do video moves on it and change some things so you can yeah no that turned out really well you can't go wrong because it's clean i'd like to do more of that like where you have to kind of like the thing that's always intrigued me is like you know foley and stuff like that where like you have to do you have to create something it's like an activity you know a group activity like okay here are the objects and we need to make this thing that holds up a bowling ball you know it's that sort of exercise being in a situation like that where you're trying to get a shot with cool lights or smoke or you know that'd be kind of fun to do more of that kind of stuff product video and you guys like architecture i love doing architecture but it's hard to find clients that want to that will pay to do it right i feel like there'd be a market for that with real estate companies around here going into properties and you don't think so not to not do to architectural digest type well you know no, spend I mean, all day like, on two images you know that oh, kind of thing. Yeah. well yeah yeah do you guys ever intentionally limit yourself as a photographer like do you ever put up like artificial limitations or guardrails on you know what you're going to shoot uh, or how you're going to shoot intentionally intentionally yeah so for example like and this is more for personal work than like commercial work but the idea of um you know saying like for the next month i'm only going to shoot with a 50 millimeter prime or i'm only going to shoot photos with my iphone or something along those lines do you guys ever do that i mean like when i do my son's birthday videos 
I only use the iPhone, but it's more of a convenience factor, right? It's like I'm running around, there's kids, I'm trying to host at the same time and also make this video. But I intentionally say this is my tool. I'm not going to go down the other route. I'm not going to try and set up a slider or a time lapse. Or I, I got my iPhone on a gimbal and that's it. That's probably the the closest to that I've come. Probably yeah. And that's yeah. that's that's not for like artistic limitation. No, that's no, just, it's that's not. Just, yeah. So it doesn't really qualify. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. For sure. How about you guys? Am I the only mask cast in the group? <laughs> no. Sometimes I should do it more. It's a really yeah, I think really a, good exercise. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I I, I do it with a I've got a, a 14 millimeter lens, which full frame, uh, and it's got some. Um, you probably know this, Randy. It's got various elements in the glass that prevent the distortion, mm-hmm. so that you know you can you can get right up on things and that you don't get the the curvature. It's rectilinear. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I knew I knew you would know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. You know, I'll, I'll work with that uh, on landscape shoots. Um, I mean, it, for it's, me, it's not Yeah, like, shooting with a wide angle, like that wide is an art form into yeah. itself. You yeah. bet. Knowing how to use a wide angle lens. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and you never stop learning. Yeah, definitely not. With a wide angle? You bet. Well, in anything, really, but especially yeah. wide angle lenses. Yeah. To use them right, I think it's tough. Yeah, I love shooting wide. Like, mm. I'm, a, I'm a wide guy. How about all, you? All about the foreground, baby. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a wide angle lens. Absolutely. Usually. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Sometimes I feel like with photography, it's easy to get uh, overwhelmed or discouraged, I guess, maybe. It's the way to, you know, I, I, I Instagram is my social media platform of choice. Um, Ditto. And, um, uh, but even like, you know, uh, websites I follow and that sort of stuff. I follow a lot of photography things. And there's just so much really good photography being done. You know, you mentioned uh, architecture stuff. I follow uh, a number of like really cool architecture channels on on Instagram, and just incredible, incredible houses, but also just really incredible photography. And for me, it's really easy to get almost discouraged from seeing all that. At times, I get inspired. I see something I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Um, but it's really easy for me, at least, to get discouraged when I see all that stuff because it's kind of like you know, there's all these amazing photographs that are being taken produced. from a personal perspective or from a business perspective oh, from a, a personal perspective yeah yeah i don't really do photography i do a little bit but not really from a business perspective so most of the photography i do is is purely uh personal work and um yeah i don't know do you guys ever feel like that the, the world is flooded and the technology is amazing and it's just opened the floodgates to the masses and they're you know so many people in the world and so many talented people that sure i think it inspires me more than limits me or depresses me yeah (laughs) it's well it's depressing on a business side (laughs) yeah Yeah, for sure for sure yeah no i yeah i i probably yeah is the not depression but just like uh oh my god how that is just you know i could never take a photo like that yeah you know you kind of some of the spectacular photography you see out there, but uh, I keep trying, you know. And every once in a while, you—I'm sure we all capture something. And uh, it's kind of like a fishing trip; you never know what you're going to catch, you know, out there. <laughs> and you go, come home and go, "Wow!" I mean, I never know. Well, I'm, I'm, I, when I go out with my wife, she's always—I I rarely do that much photography with her directly, you know, because we, we'll go on a camping trip or something. Get out to some very beautiful area. And uh, she might want to come out and join me in the morning or something like that. Um, but she's always like going, did you get it? 
Yeah. Did you get a good shot? Nobody else understands did, unless yeah. <laughs> And you're like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I, I did or not. Well, I have to get back into the right. editing room. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that is one of the fun parts, though, yeah. about, about a shoot is coming back and then finding that one image where you're like, yeah. ah. Or like, okay, here's something that discourages me, okay? <laughs> it makes, it's like that moment you're going through and you're like, okay, not great on the expression. You know, yeah. Maybe it's a kid or a baby or something. You're like, not great, not great. And then you get to the one that you know yeah. was great, and it ain't sharp. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> no! Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. has happened to me way more times than I'd like to admit. And it's like, yeah, it's like, why did all, why were all the other ones with that weird, awkward, I smell, mm-hmm. you know, cooked broccoli face? You know what I mean? And then it's yeah. like, that one, that's what discourages me. I kind of miss film. I don't know if you know what that is. That, yeah, it's, you <laughs> know, that, I, don't, that I mean, it, 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 like four stuff. by five. Yeah, uh, talked about really slow you down and make everything with purpose. Uh, and it, our whole craft to, has to changed because or, of digital yeah, photography. Right, Back then, you had you took one photo and you yeah. hoped it was. But good. it slowed now you down. Now you can and take thirty and hope that they're good. <laughs> and it was upside down and reversed, and yeah. it really made you compose and think yeah. more. Yeah. Sort of hosing down the scene. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then, and then, just the anticipation and waiting. Did I get anything? Did it turn out? Wait to get it developed. So here's a business idea. Someone can steal it. Um, but we had to come up with a business selling SD cards that only hold 15 megabytes or <laughs> 28 megabytes. And it's like, it's like you only, just get, go one, through our, you only you know, get one shot. Just yeah. door and- you, you only get one shot, you know? Like and, a roll of film. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a roll of it. film, you but you can even limit it more. Like, exposures. you know, this, you can only get one picture with this SD card. And then, yeah. no, but here's the catch. There's got to be a setting on it that when you hit your limit, you can keep shooting. It just starts to delete your first couple of photos. <laughs> yeah. You're like, do I really care no, about make, the, the picture of so-and-so coming to the party? No, okay. I'm you make sure. it like film. You can't You can't format the card. You can't delete it. You can't anything. You plug yeah, that, it in. That card that would holds be a limitation. that event right there. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, there's a business. That would idea. be great for schools. Yeah, like to teach photographers how to do stuff. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what I wonder what photography in schools is like these days. Do you still think they're, I think they're learning still film room. in dark rooms? I think I think so. I, I think that's kind of it. it's like it's like a print as a designer. I think there are courses that are strictly digital design, but like when I and this is. Oh God, I don't know, six or seven years ago, maybe more, probably more. Um, my course at the art Institute was like, they had the print component. They wanted you to know the terminology and the technology. It wasn't deep in it, but they have that in there. Uh, so I, I have to assume that the I bet you not too much longer. I bet you the whole environmental concerns is going to put the oh, kibosh on all the chemicals. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Didn't think about that. Hmm. But I, I don't know. Well, you could be right. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if most of them got killed off just because the expense and the chemicals well, that too. and the, you know. And well, and we live in a digital world. I mean, you know, even when you're printing an image, you know, it's like a lot of these big format. You see the Joel Grimes at Adobe Max, and mm-hmm. he's not developing this large image on a huge sheet. He's printing it, and it's from a digital image on a digital printer. And, and you know, everything looks better printed huge, right? Well, I mean, there's that aspect because, you know, I think if you're talking fine art or like professional photographers are definitely going to want to have their images, you know, become an actual image and not just a digital source. But the prime, I mean, we all know the primary viewing, you know, environment for a lot of stuff is 
on your phone or on your tablet, and it's and digital. What got so. me into it in the first place was seeing my first print come to life in the dark room. Mm. Yeah, the developer that's cool. tray. I mean, that's what got that's me hooked. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've, like I've been in that room. Uh, have you guys ever uh, uh, processed film? Like oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, I did one yeah. in my like independent study class in high school for <laughs> photography and it yeah. was like it, there were so many kids i mean it was the, it, developing photos wasn't the core of the class it was like yeah taking the picture but we all got to develop like one photo in the dark room and that's the yeah. experience i've had yeah i spent probably out of my eight hours a day in high school all the way through probably about three or four of those hours were spent in the dark room really? <laughs> almost every day wow awesome memories right yeah now. oh Pretty hell cool. yeah yeah were you the uh school photographer or something or was it uh, your yearbook guy? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yearbook and newspaper. And uh, mm-hmm. and I would take all the, you know, all of our photo art classes and this sort of thing. And, yeah, printed tons, tons and tons of stuff, developing your own film and printing and processing and doing crazy shit oh. and largers. And, cool. Yeah. You've probably had more experience than even Randy. <laughs> yeah, we had a, I was pretty lucky. Our high school, we had like 18 Bessler and Larger's in the dark room. Yeah, we had like mm. four yeah. or three. Yeah. It was it was quite two the dark of them room. Were crap. Cool. You fought over the good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. What about geeky tech shit? Have you guys seen anything cool lately? What's out there? Well, there was that thing I sent you, and I don't know if that falls more under cool shit I've seen or geeky tech shit. But it was that crowdsourcing video app. Oh yeah, that's it just, it, that's really cool. Yeah, the yeah, technology it. behind it wasn't wasn't anything like crazy. It was just the right assembly of like features and functions that go, huh, that solves a lot of problems for this type of production. So essentially what it was, um, you know, we did uh, a little experiment called Road to Expo a couple years ago where we sent out GoPros yeah. to like ten brands and and there were a couple of problems with this and we, and we did our best, right? I mean, we, we gave them clear direction and we gave them a little video on how to do things. And we really thought we're going to set these people up for success, but we know at the end of the day, it's in their hands. Right. And that was kind of one of the big pivots. It was like it, once you release this to them, you don't really have any control over what they're going to do. Right. Yeah. And the other problem was like the GoPro, if you're not a film guy, is kind of hard to use. It's that one button. It's, uh, you know, you're going through different screens with this thing and you're not sure if it's recording. So we had a lot of footage of like it in people's backpacks recording and like <laughs> setting down on a table facing or a the wall. That or they thought was a video or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot. Yeah. And so we had a lot of that. Um, and at the end of the day, we did do a lot of stuff with it. But um, this new app that we found, basically what it does is they use their phones. Everyone knows how to use their phones to do videos and stuff now. Yeah. But they kind of, um, they subscribe to the app and you get them on a project. So if it was us, I could have all you guys as contributors Mm -hmm. and I can send you messages via this app, just like a text message. I could say, Hey Chris, are you going to the concert tonight? Can you get some footage of you enjoying the show? Mm -hmm. And so you say, sure, I'll do that. And And it puts a little like shot on there for you to do to complete right so now you have that task you go out there and 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 you do the shot and it uploads to this little platform and back in my hotel room i get to review that shot goes bing chris has uploaded a clip and i'm like yeah nice i'm gonna see this right now oh no 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 chris i need you to get a lot closer to the stage man like get right up there so i say hey chris nice work yeah can you get a little closer next time yeah can you give me another one from closer to the stage 
Chris gets bing. Sean has reviewed your clip and offered a suggestion. Wow. And you go, ah, oh, yes, he saw it. Okay, what is the suggestion? And so basically, what it does is it it solves the tech problem. You know, phones can pretty much shoot anything nowadays, as we know. It's serviceable footage. You can use it. You know, iPhone shoot 4K if you want. Pretty amazing. And then yeah. we can yeah. give them the direction and real time monitor the clips that they're that they're sending in. So basically, it's a, a really nice solution for crowdsourcing video, um, for experiential type footage of people enjoying an event or a, yeah. you know, a, you know, an experience or whatever. So um, I don't remember what it was called. I have a link to it somewhere. Um, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> We say that every week, don't we? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever sent you one. Or <laughs> maybe I have, but oh, I always look them up. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll find it. Takes so long to do these damn things. Yeah, so there's that. That's my cool thing. Speaking of which, like I just got to digress for a second. Chris had suggested a couple episodes ago a couple of videos. Um, one was the the tor- the weird torsos. <laughs> the, you had you had done one which was um, like all shot in reverse. It was yeah. like Russian. Yeah, Moscow. that was yeah. really cool. Oh, and then the that, other one yeah. that you suggested, yes. which was the like cut off torsos. Like it starts yeah. with the woman's legs yeah, walking. Yeah, right. And then the yeah. Guy, oh my god, those were so cool. You guys will see it. It's in the episode that I just published. So you guys will have to go out and check out the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Those were amazing. Aren't they cool? Yeah. yeah. The circus one was like blew in reverse. Yes. Yeah. I was like to, to, to pull that so off. And I, then you watch it back, you know, yeah. and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. New good format. Really Did good you format. so you've you've watched it running backwards? Yes, you 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 like if no. you scrub the playhead, you no. watch the whole story. I didn't story even think happening. to do that. <laughs> what, Chris? I was so amazed That's with just whole... watching it happen. <laughs> I mean, because you're kind of you're kind of like, oh, okay, that lead led to that, and then oh, oh, because yeah. you are watching it in reverse. But if you watch it and then scrub backwards, you see the order you're of events. You're a genius. You're in, a genius. Of course, in... <laughs> everybody knew that to do that except me. <laughs> it was a whole new experience. You got to do it. I'm going to go do it now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right now. I've got got geeky tech shit for you. Episode DJI. I don't know if you saw. They just came out with the dual handle for um, the gimbal that you have. Ah. Oh, for the small rig has a couple. uh, Oh, this one's purposely built with. Well, interesting. I'll have to check that out. Some cool features to it. So you need to get it. Yeah, I've 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 often wondered if I would like that setup or even the small rig having the second handle. The one they have know. one that is the arc arm that mimics the um like the Zion, the Zion the uh, Weeble whatever. Lab or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and for like those low shots and things like that, I think that just carrying the gimbal that way is mm-hmm. supernatural. I got to supernatural. <laughs> I got to try that out because Brandon has that. Um, yeah. So we tried that out at um, Waste Expo and it was pretty cool. And I felt like I had pretty good control over it. And then Small Rig just came out with like that that tilted grip arm that you can bolt onto it. And yeah, this and this it, one will do both. Oh, nice! It goes both ways. <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> Chris. You seen any cool? Cool shit lately? Oh man, I didn't do my homework uh, this time around. I uh, uh, I don't have anything really cool, okay. unfortunately. Oh, but yeah. I will. How's the I will. I will. I will. Hold on, let's bring <laughs> two next time. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think last time you had your new C two hundred. I did. Here, and yeah. and we got to see the two hundred it itself. Yes. You've shot on it since we yes. a bit, quite a bit, right? Uh, not as much as I would have liked. Sure. But yeah, it's, you, how you liking it? Let's talk about that. For well, a sec. yeah. the The great thing is, I had already had an opportunity to use that with that trip to India oh, that we right. did. So yeah. I already knew what the uh, was under the hood, yeah. so to speak. Um, but no, it, yeah, I I'm a Canon chemistry, you know, digital chemistry. They thing. have I, great color. I, I love the way they render people, product, you know, whatever it might be. Um, 
And I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And it's a, you know, it's a compact great. camera, so it's uh, uh, easy to manage. Uh, you're not um, hunting around looking for this or that. It's, you know, it's all right, right there within, you know, your finger fingertip grip, so to speak. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's worked out well. I'm nice. very, very happy with the camera. Very cool. Yeah. Nice and I was it. in India too, so that's why I bought it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> how I feel about the Sony right now because I got to, I'm using... Yeah, you know, I have access to these two, you know, through work, and I'm still considering that as like my next purchase camera. Mm-hmm. Randy does not agree with me, but um, well, I own I <laughs> own Sony FS7, but I shoot it with a custom LUT right on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm yeah, we a, should talk about. I'm some a new of those. firm believer in Blackmagic's color science. And oh my god, see? it's wonderful, and they're B raw. I just now maybe it was the LUT that we had on there, but uh, sorry, uh, Brandon. Because you know, you're, if you watch this, which you may never, um, you'll know that this is what I'm talking about. But when they were shooting with a Black Magic Cinema 4K pocket, is that well, the, the pocket whole, one, yeah, mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Beautiful interface on that thing. That I was really impressed with. It's got a giant screen on the back, all touch based, and the mm-hmm. interface was super intuitive, super easy to use, large. Just I, that I was very impressed with. What I was not impressed with was everybody looked orange. I was like. And I don't know if it was his LUT or what, because the raw stuff does look pretty gray. So I'm like, all right, maybe it's maybe it was just the the color he threw on it in the edit. But I didn't like that compared to some of the other stuff. Like we they were shooting with a GH4, maybe a GH5 out there. I would compare it with the RE Alexa and the mirrors that cost seventy thousand dollars. And really, I just saw an article that. I forgot his name, but he was a pretty famous DP doing a Hollywood movie, and he could get whatever he wanted, but he decided to get 10 Ursa Mini 4K Pros instead of going running. And you're um, using one of those in the dock, right? Your documentary? Of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why he got 10 is so that he could get one that would actually work right. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem with Blackmagic. They have gotten... Sorry, Blackmagic. I think they're finally at the point. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Are they like on the Kia journey where it's like at first you're like, I need a bike, yeah. And now it's like... You might. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I, I, th- I think so. Relatively yeah. newer company in the, in the camera world, but uh, the flesh tones and like the interviews and just everything we've been shooting in their new B-Raw. It's very to, compressed, but super high Is it a custom, uh, custom LED that you're using, or is it right out of the camera? D- directly from Blackmagic. Look, at they make the best uh, color grading software in the world, so wow. they, they know their stuff. So I, I should send you it. a little clip of their of their stuff and have just your take on the grade on it, because it's, it's pretty flat. So you could probably do your thing to it. I'd love to see where you take that, because yeah. I wasn't sold on... I and mean, and, I and, the, and this is beautiful, just slapping Blackmagic magic's you know stock film yeah blood on it and then just tweak a little contrast curve and it looks beautiful and it's not b-raw it's bra it's bra yeah bra yeah bra hey you got that set up yeah bra <laughs> <laughs> but that's relatively new they're that raw because it used to be dng raw and their files were ginormous and that's hard trouble, to hard right? to edit and put the new stuff super easy to edit and small nice it's great and it's still raw Exactly. So shoot a a Macbeth color (laughs) chart and just click on it to white balance if you want, just like on a still image. Uh, Wow. Very cool. Coolest shit I've seen lately is uh, I I got – I ordered the two new Oculus uh, VR headsets that Facebook came out with. And um, the Rift S, I um, haven't even opened (laughs) the box yet. Um, but I also got the Oculus, um, the hell's it called? Jack, do you know? 
shit. It's the, the Oculus View. No, oh. god damn it, it's escaping my mind. But what it's are these the, the goggles? Yeah, it's the other yeah, it's the Rift S. The Rift S is the one that's tethered. The other one that's untethered, which is the coolest shit I've seen. It's so cool I don't even remember the name. But it's the other Oculus eh, it'll come to me. But it's it's um it's wireless. So hmm. all of the, the computer and video everything's self. Is this for like flying the drone or what? No, this is a VR headset. Yeah, VR headset. So the you know you've got the touch controllers that you hold in your hand. Mostly and gaming applications right, right now, right? Well, no, the cool. Y- yes, yeah. uh, a lot of gaming. Um, I saw two cool things with it though. So one was, you know, when we had the solar eclipse here in North America two years ago, almost two years. Yeah, two years ago this summer, two thousand seventeen, right. I yep. think. Mm-hmm. Um, someone had hooked a three hundred and sixty camera up to a weather balloon and shot it up into the air. And it was shooting down, and all in VR. So you can look up, you can look down, you can look around, mm-hmm. and it and it shot, and and the perspective that you get to see, you can kind of see the the moon pass in front of the sun, um, but what's really cool is you get to see the giant black darkness oh, yeah. float across the <laughs> earth. That would be and, awesome. And they sped it up too, even though it's moving it. 16,000 miles per hour or whatever right. it is. Um, but they sped it up too. And it was just really, really cool that you could look around and they had it interactive. Like, you know, when you hit certain heights, they're like, you know, you're at, you know, you're at 12,000 feet and it would have some sort of little trivial piece of information about this. You're at 20,000. You're above Mount Everest. Now you're mm-hmm. at 32,000 feet or the whatever. The thing went up that high. The air. Yeah. The, yeah. The weather balloon went up super, super high. Hmm. And then, um, when the solar eclipse happened and the and it the weather balloon was in that path, the weather balloon got really shaky because the you know it got colder and the environment yeah. changed. Um, and then at some point the weather balloon popped, and you got to see the camera go <laughs> <laughs> down to the ground. And yeah. it was just really cool to be able to watch that in VR. The other cool thing, and this is where I'm super super interested in VR. Um, and I know this episode's all about photography, but this is kind of video related. I found, um, I think it was on YouTube. There's a lot of VR content on YouTube. And I actually found a dramatic series that I started watching that's 180 degree VR. Hmm. So you can, and it it felt very natural to kind of look, you know, look, look to your left, look to your right, right, you know, just kind of looking like this. It didn't feel unnatural that I couldn't look behind me, Mm -hmm. but it starts, it, you know, it cuts right to your, you're like on a subway train and the two main characters are like right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. It felt really real. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, it's not, but it, Mm -hmm. it's just really cool. Um, everything was locked down, um, there would they would do no panning so if the character walked from you know screen left to screen right it's up to you as a viewer to follow right, and right, do that right. camera move with your hmm. head wow and it, it's like we talked about really cool you, when you do things in that world it, it changes the decisions you make because normally we have to feed that information to the viewer well yeah. in vr they're in control of that and if you take that control away suddenly by forcing them to look a certain direction by rotating the camera very like unsettling for viewers mm-hmm. so yeah and it, I, as a filmmaker i could only imagine that that would get frustrating to be like so I can't follow them over there in this take. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like letting the letting the mm-hmm. action happen away from where you have your. I mean, so do, do you think it's going to take off, or do you think it's going to do what 3D did and just kind of fizzle? Well, it's going to be. I mean, I don't know about VR. I think it is still 3D glasses at this point. You know what I mean? That, that territory where it's like you still got to put the glasses on. 
I think yeah, um, what's going to be interesting, though, is like the ability. You know how we talked about like the choose your own story kind of thing that Netflix did with the the Black Mirror uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fun to say Bandersnatch. <laughs> Black Mare Bandersnatch. Um, yeah, I think it's like one of those things where if you can make the experience of telling that story, you're sitting on the subway with two people, and it be, feels more real because you can choose to look left and then right as they talk and have a conversation, then because it aids in the storytelling and the, the immersiveness of it, I think then that something like that could catch on. And maybe that could even be an Apple TV thing where like you could use a remote to scroll left and right. I mean, you wouldn't need a headset for that just to give them some control over the view of the scene, I think could do a lot for some of that storytelling, you know, coolness factor. I think the difference in that, in that scenario, that would feel like work that I have to move the picture in front of me versus it feeling very natural, natural to, to like look head. where yeah, you want to look. That's true. That's very true. Um, I actually do think it'll take off. Uh, I think it it's a long way out, but I think, you know, ready player one is not that far off from the future. I mean, I think because the experience that you'll be able to get by feeling like you are somewhere versus just sitting in, and watching it, mm-hmm. it's really cool. And I think I got a little glimpse of this. So it's the Oculus Quest, by the way. I looked Quest. it up. Yeah, the Quest. And uh, not very expensive either, you know, like 400 bucks for the for the setup. And and I was actually really impressed with how how high quality it is, you know, considering all the processing is in, in the unit itself versus the other, the Rift or the Rift S now that uh, we got, which hooks up to a computer. Um, you know, where it's it's letting the, the computer handle all the processing and the graphics card handle all that. And it's just, you know, handling kind of the experience. I was really, really impressed. I think that's that's going to be the key is, is to be able to have a device also that doesn't have cables running, you know, mm-hmm. so you can go anywhere. You can go outside if you want to use it. And just the way that it works and the ease of use, it's, it's pretty cool. You guys should check it out. So cool. Another note, is anybody here going to buy a $15,000 Mac Pro and monitor? <laughs> and a $1,000 stand for the yeah, that's that's Apple. Yeah, you know yeah. It's, it's. I bet you that display looks just money. Oh, it's in uh, person, it's. I'm sure you're it's, like. It's actually color grading quality, like what twenty thousand dollar color right. grading monitors are almost. Yeah, that's from what it, I understand. It, it, it's high end, and I would I would argue that um, a similar priced Windows PC is going to be uh, not that far off in cost. Display wise, right. you can't get anything like that. Correct. There's nothing like it. But and PC I'm, wise, I'm going to buy the ARM and not a thousand dollars on first day. But yeah. well, and that's that's why they did it is because they figure most professionals who are using that already have support for their monitors. Probably, and yeah. so what they should have done from a positioning standpoint is said, here's here's this display that's that's six thousand dollars or what? What does the display cost? I, I think it's five grand. Five grand. Yeah. Like four ninety nine. And what they should have said is that it's six thousand dollars, or if you don't need the stand, we'll knock a thousand dollars off. Because mm-hmm. now, from a positioning standpoint, you're like, oh, ah, yeah. sweet man, I just saved a thousand bucks. Yeah. Versus feeling like I had to spend a yeah. thousand if you wanted. But <laughs> yeah. And how big is the monitor physically? Yeah. Uh, uh, seven. Oh yeah, no, it's thirty. Uh, thirty. Twenty nine something, I think, is what mm-hmm. it it's kind of thirty. It's like it's that yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is huge because I remember. I mean, I have a twenty seven Thunderbolt, and I remember, but they did away with the thirty 
inch cinema displays uh-huh. and they went down and they, they you're seeing that same thing happen with the MacBook Pros they they did away with the 17 inches they went down to 15 as their largest size now they're up to 16 again because they've knocked off the bevel and they g- mm-hmm. give you the extra size which again it looks like a beautiful machine i mean mm-hmm. i've been waiting for that thin screen you know forever but yeah. um yeah I, I don't yeah who knows man i mean no to answer your question i'm not going to order one <laughs> i don't need one i mean i yeah. wish i was cool enough i wish i was yeah you, even capable of doing the work that would justify something like exactly, that and that is man. so far animation out of 3d yeah pixar yeah. level running 8k like, red files all yeah, the time man, yeah. but i actually the monitor is excites me more than the computer i'd love to see it in person that's what i'm excited about i, I may because it's now, a value now that i'm in that down world. in boulder at that mac store right down the street i might just Ooh, tunnel over there at lunch yeah, break no, and be man. like Look at it. So I'll come bright. down. We'll have a field trip. We'll go have lunch and go, yeah, and Apple go store? look at it That'd be and great, drool right? on it. Because I think that's going to be, it, like, in person, it's going to be pretty impressive looking. Because yeah, yeah, otherwise, you're spending a lot more money than that for a monitor of yeah. that color space and yeah. quality. Yeah, it's Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Tight. Cool. What about coffee? Anybody had any good coffee? Good coffee stories uh, lately? Uh, my wife surprised me. Love you, honey. I'm gonna. You're not going to watch, but. Uh, in case you are at this very moment, uh, surprised me on Father's Day with a box of Onyx coffee, two nice. different kinds that she picked all on her own, nice. which she said put her through like <laughs> she was like, "I was so scared that you were gonna hate these." I was like, "Man, you know," and they were great. They're awesome. I still. It's funny. I um, I thought I was out of it, and so I had her go pick up Harbinger, which is you know my my roaster's choice. Um, and then I opened the cabinet to put my armature away. And I'm like, oh, I still had like a quarter of a bag left. I, it, so that happens occasionally. But and how long now I have a surplus of coffee. How long can you hang on to the coffee before it starts going bad? Long time or? Uh, you're really not supposed to. Ideally, you got to drink it up. Ideally, week, days. Yeah. Days, I mean, not yeah, weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah wow. Y- you know, a week. At the end of a week, you're pretty much at the end of like freshness territory. Yeah. But I mean, you know, good coffee, it's still, it's still going to taste great. But I mean, if you were like a coffee schnob, mm-hmm. then you'd be like you could taste the decline in those the sharpness of those flavors over the week. You know, as and can you? I mean, I don't know. A fresh bag is always like ooh, fresh coffee. Yeah, uh, you know. But I, it's not like by Thursday I'm like, Meh. you know, <laughs> it still tastes like a great cup of coffee to me. But yeah, a fresh bag is kind of like oh, yeah, so fresh though. You know, yeah, yeah. too fresh can is a thing too. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yep. Randy, you had any good coffee lately? It's been a while, but I th- the best mocha I think I've ever had was on one of our trips. And we were in... Charlotte. North- Charlotte, yeah. yeah. And, and how was, about that it's, fancy $12 pour over that you had? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Ooh, well, what's funny so is good. that Randy had the best mocha, and I had the worst latte that I've ever <laughs> had in my life. <laughs> and, uh, it, it well, you know, they, you know, they used to make the greatest mocha is the worst latte in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep adding chocolate to it till it can be palatable. Yeah. Yeah, no, and then, uh, yeah, when we were in um, Boston. That that was the place I was talking about, the place in Boston. Oh, that's where you had yeah. the good mocha? Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I had a I had a $12 uh, pour over and, eh. Wasn't that good? Nah. Nah? Nah. Nah. That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyhow, sorry, Boston, but. But yeah. you found some good vegan donuts, right? I had vegan donuts, though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was nice. fun. That was fun. Nice. Was super, super fun. Always a good surprise. Yeah. All right, man. Ah. Well, gentlemen. <laughs> I never know where we're going. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to uh, sit down with you guys and talk about our craft and uh, drink some coffee and 
talk some shit. We didn't have very much shit talking this time. I think it was pretty Thanks, dick. We'll save it for Jack's <laughs> time. Yeah, we'll save it for the next one. Uh, for those hey, of you exactly. brave enough to listen to this podcast, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends and colleagues. And also, if you can, give us a little love on iTunes by rating and leaving feedback for this podcast. And lastly, just go out and make something. On the next episode, we're going to talk with a budding young filmmaker and photographer. Filmmakers and photographers Drinking coffee and talking shit